Hey everybody, I'm Jimmy, I am an alcoholic. Hey, it's an honor and a privilege to be here. Wow, a full room, lots of beautiful people. It's nice to take the mask off. That's one of the benefits of being the speaker, I guess. Ah, some of you guys are cheating, good for you, man. Hey, uh, hey, it's an honor and a privilege to be here at the Obies. I don't think I did it on Zoom, but uh, I did it, I was here, you know. First thing I wanna tell everyone in the room, number one, is I did not always look like a cop. This, uh, this happened to me as I got older. This was a punk rock haircut when I got it, trust me. I got this haircut in 1979, and uh, when half the dudes in this room were walking around with mullets, I had a full-on, anyway, punk rock haircut, and then I morphed, and by the, you know, honest to God, by the time I was 30, I started looking like a cop everywhere I went. It's a, it's a heavy cross to bear. Now I'm 62, people, people think I'm an old military guy, right? I got that military look? Yeah, I never been in the military. I did a short tour in the Salvation Army, but uh, I don't get any credit for that in AA. And I will say it's an honor and a privilege to be here at Obie's. I've been here before, and this is a surprise. I'm always surprised to get it. They call me Jimmy one time, not because I look like a cop, because I've spoken everywhere one time. You know, I don't normally often get a call back, so thank you, Wayne. You know. Obviously, it's been all new management since I was last here because, trust me, it didn't go well. Uh, and no one was helped. Uh, but I enjoyed it. This is my favorite part. This is my favorite part of any meeting. Yeah, my home group is 60 minutes, you know, discussion. I don't hear, you know, I sit there 55 minutes. I have no idea what anybody's saying. I'm just waiting for my five minutes because uh, I seem to get a lot out of it. Anyway, I don't want a meeting to take a downturn already, but uh, I don't see a clock on the wall. I'm just going to go until I'm the last one in the room, and uh, we'll see how that goes. Well, I'll tell you, I'm, hey, it's I'm really thrilled and honored to be in, in Portland, Oregon. I love it up here, and I got a chance to go to the gorge today and see beautiful waterfalls at uh, Multnomah. Falls, man, it's spectacular. Really beautiful, beautiful place. And I'm uh, really happy to be here. I have great uh, uh, hosts and people uh, treating me good up here. And I love AA. I owe AA. I'm not too cool to tell you young folks and you new folks, you know, that rooms like this and people like you turn my whole life around. There's nothing about me that's self-made. I got power. And I hope to talk about power tonight. I got the power to live the life I've lived and continue to live because of rooms like this and people like you. I love AA, I get something out of these AA meetings, I just don't have it the other 23 hours of the day. I get something here I just don't have on my own. This is where I get reminded of the plan for living. This is where I get reminded who I really am. Good night. He's you're taking off? Yeah, all right. Uh, you know, this is where I get reminded of you know who I really am, man, and where I come from and how much you people, this plan has helped me, man, because I'm not smart. I'll, as I tell you, as I go along, if you haven't figured that out already, I'm not smart. I'm a glue sniffer and a PCP smoker, and, uh, you know, when I got to A, I had that PCP glare, man, you know, like, whoa. And, uh, but I'm, a, I, I, you know, I don't know if you can tell, but I got arrested. I was, I got sent to AA in 1975, 1975, by the state of Pennsylvania, the juvenile court system sent me to Alcoholics Anonymous, 16 meetings of AA while I was in my first eight weeks at the Coots Home for Wayward Boys. I lived in a boys' home because I was 
I don't know, I don't know what was wrong with me. I'm from a broken alcoholic home, immature, insecure, overly emotional, bad coping skills, bad, co you know, impulse, poor impulse control. You know, I didn't like school. I can't be the only one here didn't like school. I didn't like school. I like to go to the school. I'd go up there in the morning, hang out, man, the parking lot, you know. Hit up the chicks, hit up the girls before school started. Hey, man, got a nickel, got a dime, got a quarter. As they were coming in through the entrance, I'm hitting them up, 8.30, 8.15 in the morning. I'd get a nickel here, dime, quarter. Yeah, and this is junior high. By the time I was, you know, by 8.30 in the morning, I'd have $2.50. I'd leave campus. A buddy of mine, we all did, you know, a few of my friends leave school or I'd have buddies that, didn't go to school, older guys hang out behind the liquor store and get a run. I'd have somebody, hey man, could you get us a run? And oh, back in the day, for a dollar, oh, it's loud. Is somebody loud, man? I'm used to it. I like it. I'm half deaf. Anyway, I'm breaking, anybody else breaking the boomer code here today? I'm breaking the boomer code. I had no nap today, and uh, I'm up past, I'm going to be up past nine o'clock. I'm breaking the boomer code, man. Anyway, it's a, it's a special treat. Anyway, I'd hang out and have somebody back in the day, I'd say $2, I'd say, give a guy $2. Hey man, keep the change, because for $1.80, I'd get a bottle of Banana Red, MD 2020. Anybody know what that is? They got that up in Portland, Oregon? MD 2020? Okay, those of you who don't know, I'll explain it. MD 2020 is actually a Schedule One hallucinogen that somehow, somehow this stuff made it to the wine section of liquor stores back in the day. Hey, it made no sense. It never saw a grape. Uh, it was, yeah, it was, oh, it was like rock if you, let me tell you, MD 2020 is like having meth in the energy drink section because uh, it'll take you downtown fast. I was on the MD 2020 diet. Lose three days in one week. And uh, yeah, man, fortified wine, 20 ounce bottle, 20% uh, uh, alcohol. And I got in trouble, man. I'd been arrested 11 times, 11 times while I was living in a boy's home from a broken alcoholic home, wouldn't listen to my mom. I'm living in a place with developmentally challenged kids and orphans and incest survivors and me, a big dumb loser who wouldn't go to school, wouldn't listen to his mom. And uh, I've been arrested 11 times. Not real criminal stuff, like some of you guys I see around. You know, I wasn't a, no offense, you're my people now, you know. But I was a kid, I'd been arrested for kid stuff. Possession and consumption of alcohol by a minor, disorderly conduct, resisting arrest, urinating in public, all the classy things, right? One of those urinating in public, I ain't even bothered to get my fly down, man. I was just, I'm wasted, man, I'm, let it flow. Good night, she's taking the children out right away. They're the smart ones. It's going downhill from here, too. Trust me. And I'm lucky. You know, I'm a lucky guy, man. Because I'm lucky I never had to register as a sex offender. <laughs> you know, because the, uh, the cops, they don't want to get you. The cops did not want to get me. They don't want to get you for urinating in public. The cops want to get you for indecent exposure. Luckily, I've got insufficient evidence. So, you know... Couldn't stick, you know, hey, right, Wayne? I'm grateful for the little things, man. Life is seconds and inches.
Yeah, it's, it's already gotten bad. How long do I go? Uh, let's see. I was messed up, man. I was a messed up kid. And uh, I had alcoholism. I come from, I was telling my wife, I was telling my wife, I guess she, we're, this, we're celebrating 22 years together this month. And uh, yep, married, married over 20 years, 21, I guess. Feels like 40. Uh, anyway, so uh, I was telling my wife about my, you know, the family I come from and all my cousins. She had never heard the stories. I mean, she never heard the stories. I'd cut my, my, I was the first one in my huge extended family to be sent to AA from my generation. The first one. And uh, man, bad, tragic stuff happened to my, you know, my real DNA, my real first cousins, my dad's brothers and sisters' kids from my uh, age. Man, a girl burned the house down, dead, died in a fire, drunk. I'm like, you know, just horrible, horrible stuff. And my wife says, you should tell that from the podium. I said, that's ah, awful stuff. Nobody wants to hear it. We all know. You know, we know. And I laugh and joke about alcohol in my drinking. And, uh, but the fact is, I never forget. You know, when alcoholism is on, it's ugly, man. You know, it's ugly. I, you know, drinking's fun. But alcoholism, when it's on, it's ugly, man. I don't have to tell you folks, but I'll remind you, man. It's full of domestic violence, traumatized kids, and despair, loneliness, unspeakable loneliness, cop, cops and court cases, right? Sucks, man. I'm glad. I'm glad. I, listen, I'm happy, joyous, and free in most meetings, and I talk and share a, a, a joyous spirit because, you know what? I have a lot of distance a lot of distance from when my life was ugly like that, full of uh, ugly, active alcoholism. I'm grateful, and I got the power to not live like that from these rooms and trying this thing, no matter how bumblingly I, how I do it. But uh, I love AA. I got sent to AA, and, uh, you know, because my real thing, I told you about school, but my real thing was keg parties. That's where I went. Keg parties were my thing, right? Everybody here, we all know, we love them keg parties. Because I never had any money. I'd hear about a keg party in the neighborhood, somebody's so-and-so's house, 8 o'clock Friday night. Man, I'd be there at 6.15 with a pitcher, you know, ready to go, man. And uh, I'm the first guy in the line, and I'd get right up to the keg, and I don't move. I'm drinking like somebody's trying to steal it from me. And I pour it down. I know all the tricks. I'm pouring it down. And if I can still get up, I'm not that drunk. And I drink until the bigger, older guys Kick me out, man. Kick me away from the, uh, you know, they, you know, come on, man. Get out of here. You've been here 20 minutes. There's 50 people in line, and I'm just right there at the keg, opening my throat and pouring them down. And, uh, and if I can still get up, I'm not that drunk. And then I can't see. I'm cross. Any other blind drunks? I was a blind drunk. I couldn't see. I'm up and moving, but I can't see. And there's cans and cups and bottles, and when they kick me away from the, from the keg, I had to resort to drink stealing. I'm a drink stealer. Any other drink stealers here tonight? Oh yeah. oh, yeah. You didn't have to raise your hand. We can tell by looking. Yeah. Probably stole that seat. Yeah. Because some people set their drinks down, man. Can you imagine with a ninja like me? But I can't see. There's cans and cups and bottles everywhere, and I'm, I got that PCP glare on. I'm drunk. I can't. And I'm, you know, grabbing everything I can find, you know, and you know the chance. You open your throat, divert their, hey, did you see that one? <laughs> There's a risk associated with that. <laughs> Every third, fourth one, cigarette butts, right? 
hey man, they came out with them brown bottles, it's the risk you had to take. And uh, Sherry, I gotta tell you, people hate drink stealers, man. They hate them. I've been beat up so many times by little dudes and chicks and uh, I'm that guy at the party. You guys all know that the one guy, I'm that guy at the party. I don't know what happened, but I've been caught, and I'm, it happens so often. It happened, you know, in, in a few years, I went from having fun, and everybody, I'm thinking every, you know, the, the perception, you know, alcoholism changed my perception. I'm thinking everybody's partying and having fun like me. Aren't we having fun? Until a few years later, I see they're, they're, they're not laughing with me. They're laughing at me, man. And I'm that guy. I stumble home from the party. You know, I'm kicked out of the party. I don't know what I said, what I did, but all of a sudden, everybody's inside, and I'm locked out. I'm out of the party, and I'm bleeding. What did I do? Oh, not again. I'm bleeding. And I'm, you know, I'm from Pennsylvania. I don't know if anybody else here ever drank in the snow, in the cold. I've been arrested in the snow with no shirt on. And, uh, you know, that's how you get sent to a boy's home, and that's what happened. And, and I'd stumble home from the party. I'm bleeding. I don't know what I did. I get back to my house. I can't get in the house. My mom locks me out because I wasn't supposed to be out. I'm sneaking out of the house. I'm scared to wake her up. Pennsylvania freezing cold winter. I sleep in her car. And I come to in the morning. I wish I could tell you it only happened once. I come to in the morning. And my whole crotch, from my navel to my knees, burning red, raw, red, burning red skin. Raw skin was raw. And I thought, oh, my. What did I do? What happened to me? Oh, my God. Was I with a stray dog? I mean, I don't know what happened. <laughs> my skin is burning red. And then I, I see there's an outline on my pants. I smell my pants. I realize, oh, I did it again. I walked home with frozen piss pants. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I'll t chicks don't dig that, man. I'm telling you right now. I'm that, I'm that guy at the party in my neighborhood that people stopped laughing with. I'm that guy I had to hear Tuesday or Wednesday, Monday comes around, I had to hear, everyone saw you, Jimmy. Everyone saw you at that party. You were trying to talk to girls and your pants were pissed. And uh, you know, I've been telling this same dumb story for a, long, for a long time. You know, I drank five years. Drank like that for five years. I've been telling the same dumb story for 45 years. And I laugh a lot about it, but trust me when I tell you, the perception changed. You know, drinking stopped working. I saw instead of being a guy that's partying and having fun, I'm a clown, man. I'm a loser. I'm a failure. And uh, it changed. Bad stuff happened around me. My best friend, my best friend, Went and walked in front of the, you know, I'm smoking that angel dust with me, and he went and walked in front of the Metro liner. And uh, I lost my, he was 16 years old, I was 15 years old, and I got sent to the boys' home, and I'm living there. And, and the same judge that sent me there sent me to the Scared Straight program. I went to Scared Straight long before it was a TV show. I, I remember I was so blown away when I saw it on TV. I thought, I thought that was just in my little town, Delaware County medium security correctional facility. I thought that's where it was. But anyway, and let me tell you, your speaker tonight does not respond well to tough love. I didn't like it. It didn't straighten me out, having guys scream at me, you know, having inmates scream and threaten me and tell me what it's going to be like if I don't straighten up. It didn't make me want to clean up my life. It just made me hate convicts. And, uh,
but I'm down with you guys now, man. You're my people. You're my people, man. I was a kid. I was, you know, I was scared. Not scared straight, but scared, you know. I noticed the difference in AA right away. I'd go to 16 meetings in December of 1975. I'd go to 16 meetings of Alcoholics Anonymous. And uh, in the first eight weeks, I was there twice a week. Once a week, they sent us out. And once a week, the AA came in. Came in. And you know what I noticed? Same thing I noticed here tonight. I noticed it in December of 1975. Those old guys in AA were kind to me. They were kind. They were kind and welcoming. Nobody called me too young. Nobody called me a drug addict. They were kind. They gave me rides. They picked me up. They gave me a ride. Gave me a ride home. They gave me cigarettes, two, three cigarettes for the road. They're giving me, you know, kind, generous guys giving me AA coffees all jacked up. I didn't drink coffee. All jacked up on AA coffee. Then on the weekend, they take me out after my third or fourth meeting. Took me out after the meeting. Talking, 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 talking to AA. Bought me pie at the Howard Johnson's, man. And uh, those guys saved my life. And you know what? No one can tell me. That was December of 1975, which is 46, 45, 46 years ago. I don't care. I can't count. Um, kindness is the language of Alcoholics Anonymous, man. That's what's going on here. That's what's going on. Kindness. Kindness of strangers. People happy to see each other. I, I don't know about you folks. But the, sometimes the other 23 hours of the day is hard, man. I don't have to tell you, life is hard. Bills and traffic and kids and worries. And, you know, life's hard, man. And people look at you wrong. And, you know, people are unkind in the stores. And, you know, life can be hard. I come to AA. People are happy to see me. And, boy, am I happy to see them. But, you know, that's what we got going on in AA. Sometimes it's just the little things like that that have inspired me. to. I've stuck around, man. I stuck around. I will tell you, I was the first guy in my neighborhood to be sent to AA. There were six guys. I was the first of six. My best friend went and walked in front of that Metro liner. And uh, let me tell you what those AA guys said. Those old AA guys said, kid, you're so lucky to know about this AA. I was 16 then, 1975. Kid, you're so lucky to know about this AA. I wish I'd have known about AA when I was your age. I would have saved myself a lot of trouble. My life would have went different. Maybe I wouldn't have lost my family. Maybe I wouldn't have lost, you know, they said things like that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have gone to prison or whatever. And, and uh, they said, kid, you stick around this AA. You can't imagine how good your life will go. You cannot imagine how good your life will be. And I remember exactly what I thought when these old guys said that to me. You know, they were, I don't know, in their 30s or 40s, you know, these old guys. I thought, man, you can't say that. How can you say that? You don't even know me, man. You don't know me. I'm a loser. I'm a failure. I had the opposite of the Midas touch, and I knew it. I, you know, I just had nothing going for me. You know, unlike all the other AA speakers that you hear, the, uh, you know, all these guys that talk a lot, I don't know about you, I always hear the same thing. Had a good family, and they were high school athletes, or they were academics, their drinking increased in college, and, uh, or they were creative types in California where I live, all these artists, guitar players, all these guys with all this potential, and then we hear how their life was all this potential, and then the alcoholism gets them, takes them down, all that potential gone. That's not my story. As you can tell, my story is for all those who showed no promise in anything. I got nothing going for me. I showed no promise in anything but burglary. I mean, I just had nothing going for me. And, uh, you know, those old AA guys, now I know 
Now I know when an old AA guy says, you know, you can't imagine how good your life will be, you stick around here. Now I know it's like they were looking in a crystal ball. They knew the future, and it's true today. I tell young people, and I'll tell my man Cole over there, I want to interrupt and just say, I heard, I overheard Cole say, why are they giving me a standing ovation? And I'm going to tell you why I would give you a standing ovation. Because we all had four days. I had four days clean and sober. And if I knew how good my life was going to be and how much changed it was going to be because of my membership sticking around in AA, I'd be cheering for myself, man. I've had so much love and so much power here. None of my friends, the guys in AA were right. None of my friends lived to be 30 years old. The guys I cut school with and sniffed glue and got in trouble and robbed houses and broke into cars. None of my friends, one, one of, you know, my friends had bad, you know, bad stuff happen. Two of my friends on the same street crashed a car going 100 miles an hour, same street within a year of each other. Next door neighbor, 18 years old, when I was three weeks clean and sober, died of a heroin overdose. My, you know, there were no, there were no happy endings or success stories from my little neighborhood, and my life went different. I stuck around AA. The old AA guys were right. My sobriety date is May 10, 1977. I was 17 years old when I had my last uh, drink and drug, and I dodged a bullet, man. Half my family, and I'm talking a big family, half of them are dead from alcoholism. None of my friends lived to be 30, and I stuck around here, and I've been around the world. They were right about a big, dumb loser like me. I've been around the world. I've been a business owner over 30 years plus. I've been a homeowner. I've been around the world. I've had more love. I've had more support. I have more friends than I can keep in touch with. I have more support than I could ever take advantage of. More, and I got an 85-year-old plan for living that absolutely works. I hit the lottery, man. The keys to the kingdom in AA. So many brothers and sisters I have. And that's not about what I have. It's what about what we have. It's on offer. It's on offer in AA. Everywhere I've ever gone, I've had a friendly direction, man. I've had somewhere to go where you know, I can hear this language and hear this camaraderie. I got a bond with people all around the planet because you know, we've, I've been helped, been helped. I haven't had to go down the ugly road of active alcoholism. And uh, so I owe AA. I love AA. I'll go anywhere, anytime to talk about what AA's done for me because I don't have it on my own. You can tell I'm not smart. I'm not educated. No one's ever accused me of being well-adjusted. Uh, you know, I'm messed up, man. Immature, insecure. I got loose screws, man. And I come to AA, and I hear this little slice of humanity. I hear these little triumphs of the human spirit. People, get kid, women getting their kids back, guys getting jobs back and careers and getting their families back and feeling good about each other, man. It tightens up my loose screws. There's power in that. There's power here. And, uh, and that's what the book says we need. Power, man. I, I always like to talk about power. I'm not, I don't want to tell you about my whole dumb life. I will tell you this. I came to, you know, I, I grew up in Pennsylvania. And I, I wasn't going to stay clean and sober where I come from because I didn't have what it takes. I stuck around AA and I got some kind of courage. Somebody in AA, maybe like a lot of you folks here, somebody took interest in my case. I'm alive because somebody in AA 
showed interest in my case. I had an old guy picked me up, took me to meetings, talked AA constantly. He ended up getting me a job. I worked at Sears for $2.30 an hour. And uh, he got me back into school. I hadn't been to school in over a year, a different school. And uh, he saved me from going. I was getting ready to go to another institution, the Ferris School for Boys. I want to go there, man. I don't bunk well with dudes. And, uh, and uh, this guy, then he did the most miraculous thing of all. He got me a driver's license. And because uh, I wasn't supposed to get one until I was 21. And I turned 18, he got me a driver's license and uh, I got some kind of courage. You know, I told you I was arrested 11 times and I could show you on a map, all within the same four square blocks of where I grew up. I'd never been anywhere. But as a member of AA, I got some kind of courage, man. I got some kind of courage. And I saved $600 from working at Sears and I came to, you know, where I knew I couldn't, you know, I was 18, I couldn't, couldn't go to college. I'm a D minus student, you know, when I cheat. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I, I couldn't go to the military for some technical issues. Yeah, I'm a coward. And uh, so where am I gonna go, man? Granola country, the land of fruits, nuts, and flakes. California, that's where I went. Because I thought maybe if I don't, you know, at the time I didn't know it, but looking back, I got some kind of courage. I thought maybe if I don't drink and I don't use drugs and I go to that AA, maybe, maybe there's hope for me yet. Maybe I'll meet other brothers and sisters. And you know, I like to tell this little, little thing because you know, your speaker tonight, unlike all the other speakers, I'm not gonna talk too much about God or the steps or the book. Those are important little aspects of AA or maybe they're big aspects of AA, but I'm not gonna talk about it. I'm gonna talk about what I really think about what helped me back in the day. What really made the difference for me, I will tell you, when I came to California, man, I had nothing going for me, no jobs, no nothing. I showed up at AA meetings. I ended up over there at Ohio Street, the world famous meeting hall, full of, you know, now it's full of all young people, but back in the day there were young people, you know, four or five days a week. And let me tell you, because my experience has been, listen, I love that book. I love all those books. I know them all, I can quote them all, I love it. It's really helped me. And I prayed to God till I was blue in the face. I just worked the steps so I'm blue in the face. Some days, this is just my experience. Maybe somebody can relate, maybe they can't. Some days I read the book. Some days I pray to God and I don't get nothing. It's not enough, man. It's not enough. It's not enough some days. My experience has been if I don't surround myself with other brothers and sisters on this path, other living, breathing examples of living this program, not drinking, not using, no matter what, doing this thing, if they're not the people in my life, I got nothing. For me, the book alone's not enough. God alone is not enough. I've needed living, breathing examples, and I've gotten them, and I still get them in AA meetings. I'm not one of these guys that uh, you know ever, ever uh, uh, doesn't give the, the AA meeting a lot of credit. Because I, like I said, this is where I get reminded. I'm a slow learner and a fast forgetter. I come to AA and I get reminded of all the tips and tools and tricks and how to do live this life, how to live this life. And I know the book, I know Bill Wilson said the same thing in, in the page 152 of the big book. He said something about, he's talking about, he says something about, uh, yes, the guy says, yeah, I, I'm alcoholic, but you know, what am I gonna do? Am I gonna be boring? Am I going to be glum? Am I going to be righteous like other people that don't drink? Have you got a substitute? What am I going to do not drinking? 
And, you know, do you have a substitute? And Bill Wilson, right on page 152, I could grab it and read it, but I, I can't read well, so I'll just tell you the way I see it. Anyway, he says, yes, there is a substitute, and you will find it in the Fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous. He doesn't say it's in the book. He doesn't say it's praying to God. He says, the, the, he says there you will find release from worry and boredom and care, release from worry, man. That's the kind of stuff I need. I need release. I need power. That's where you're going to find it in the Fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous. Yeah, there's a book. There's a plan. There's direct. There's stuff we're supposed to do, and we try to do it no matter how bumblingly. And I'm going to tell you where I stole that bumbling line. It's in a, it's in a, a story called Me, an Alcoholic, in the back. And I'll talk about that in a minute if I got a minute. I have no idea what time it is, but I'm going to about midnight. Anyway, it's 8... <laughs> 8.38, ladies and gentlemen, what do we try? 10.15, when are we stopping? We're going to order out for breakfast. Don't be timing me with them things, man. Don't be throwing up gang signs at me, sister, because uh, I love the no crosstalk thing. That's my favorite part of AA, because I get it nowhere else. Nowhere else am I talking and nobody interrupts, only AA. I, I owe AA for all the airtime. I start talking at home the frickin' dog leaves the room. I mean, it's just, uh, my kids don't listen, my wife don't listen. Is she talking back there? Somebody talking? We gotta, we gotta straighten them out here. That's the first rule, first thing we learned at AA, no crosstalk. Where was I? I was I on some point? Ab absolutely not. Stop throwing the gang signs. Tell me, now I'm going to 859, whether you like it or not. I'm feeling really good. Good night, my man. Yeah, you did all right. All right. Yeah, listen. Everybody that stays here deserves a, a, a medal for tolerance, I'll tell you that. Hey, guess what? I was five years sober. Never had $1,000 in my life. Never had, had the 600 once. Never had nothing. Came into this life with nothing. Still had most of it. And... Uh, and uh, five years sober, 23 years old, failed at everything I tried. And, uh, but I had AA buddies. I was an AA member. I had, went to all kinds of meetings. You know what I did? I'm going to tell you, folks. I was talking about the fellowship and going to meetings and finding other people. I found other young people. And we went, just like I'll bet some of you folks here do. Went, you see, get with your friends and you go to the same meetings every week. Monday night you go here, Tuesday night you go there. Hey, I'll see you Wednesday night here. And that's what I did as a kid. Monday night, Kelton. Tuesday night, 2 plus 2. Wednesday night, the big Pacific group meeting. Wednesday, Thursday night, the gong show, young people's meeting. Friday night, big dumb losers like me went to Rodeo Drive, Beverly Hills meeting. And, uh, and uh, Saturday night, I'd go to, back to Ohio Street, and then we'd go to a sober dance. That's what we did. We went to a sober dance. Anybody in this room ever been to a sober dance? I see a show of hands. All right, so you can tell the others. It's a whole new bottom you hit in sobriety. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. It's, oh. You find yourself in some church basement on a Saturday night with a bunch of sober white people, man. Oh. It's a level of lame I never knew existed. But I went to all of them, man. That's where I honed my moves. I still got them too, but my wife puked when I fell. So that's what we did. 
I was five years sober, never had a thousand bucks. I was living in the absolute armpit of the planet in 1983-1982-1982-23-years-old-never-had-nothing-living-in-Hollywood-California-in-efficiency-apartment-and-but-you-know-what-I-was-an-AA-guy-I-couldn't-pay-the-rent-250-dollars-a-month-and-but-I-had
I'm not, you know, every single thing. I got the apartment. I got to California. I've met some guys in AA. I got the apartment from some guys in AA. First, I was sleeping on guys' couches. We were couch surfing with each other and roommates and all that stuff. And uh, I can just draw a direct line. Every good thing that's ever happened to me in my life is a direct result of being in AA and taking direction and following other people that know better than me in many departments of life. And uh, so I wouldn't give up my seat in AA for anyone or anything, man. I love AA. I got the power here to live this life. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I ended up in Malibu. And like I said, I can't surf. But, uh, yeah, I went to Asia. I, you know, I lived, I can't, I don't know if you can tell. Yeah, I just had an unbelievable life. And I don't have what it takes to go live in Asia. I, went, I stayed in Asia, rented out my house in Malibu. And, and uh, had some family was there 14 years paying rent while I lived in Bali. And that's where I met my wife. And we had a couple of kids, kids that grew up in a sober, drug-free home. You know, how do you put a price tag on that, man? My kids never seen that. You know, they didn't grow up like most of us did or a lot of us did. I grew up in ugly, bad stuff, seen stuff kids shouldn't see, man. And my kids, you know, they're not too soft. I, I, I you know, they, they, they saw what dysfunction is like, man. You know, I put the fun in dysfunction. And, uh, but they, they you know, they, I'm, they're not too soft. You know, I didn't want to make them too soft. They saw some ugliness. No, not really. I, you know, I never, I, I never beat my wife. They never saw me beating on my wife. I would never do that in front of them. No way. <laughs> Oh, now I've obviously run out of time. What are we doing here? It's getting bad. Yeah, man. My my kids just they have had a they've had a they've had a pretty good they had a pretty good. My kids are both athletes, you know. And like I said, I'm bad. I'm not. I never. I was a poor sport. And uh, I guess you know what I want to do. I'll just spend the last five minutes. I'll read you. Let's see if I can find it. Just just my favorite one of my favorite things to talk about. And. Uh, yeah, I lived in Bali. I lived on the island of Bali from 1994 to 2011. Had got married, over, had kids over there. And I don't have what it takes to live overseas. But you know what? I found other AAs on that island. And I said, dude, I'm staying here. I was in business. I was doing import-export. I took on a partner out in the valley in California. And, and uh, I stayed there. And I was buying, filling up containers full of tchotchkes, you know, and and, uh, you know, jewelry and clothing. And, yeah, I just had a life, man. And I went to AA. I started, I, you know, they were meeting on the beach. They were meeting in restaurants. I said, look, this place has got all these visitors coming from around the world. I'm opening a meeting hall, just like we do in California, like in America, a place for everybody to come. And it blossomed, man, just like the book talks about. You know, you know it builds up around you. It builds up around you, man. And uh, now Bali's a sober destination. We've had... Started the meeting hall, it's still there, 20-something years later. Kind of a convention, 500 people from around the world, 40 different, uh, 40 different countries come to that convention every year. And Because uh, I don't have what it takes on my own. I get the power from you folks. Hearing this plan, hearing this language, and this love, and this laughter. You know, if I knew how to open my phone, I'd be dangerous here tonight. <laughs> Let's see, where was I? All right. Come on, man, please let me find it. Is there a, hey, here we go. Me, an alcoholic, the guy tries everything. Goes to psychiatrists, tries everything. A doctor, doc, what am I going to do? Now I'm, see, it's clear, I'm alcoholic. What am I going to do? And the guy says, 
The doctor says there's nothing I can do and nothing medicine can do. However, I've heard of an organization called Alcoholics Anonymous that has had some success with people like you. They make no guarantees and are not always successful. But if you want, you, you want, but if you want to, you're free to try them. It might work. Many times in the intervening years, I have thanked God for that man, a man who had the courage to admit failure, a man who had the humility to confess all his hard learning of his profession could not turn up an answer. I looked up an AA meeting and I went there alone. Here I found an ingredient that had been lacking in any effort I had made to save myself. Here was power. Here was power to live to the end of any given day. Power to have the courage to face the next day. Power to have friends. Power to help people. Power to be sane. Power to stay sober. That was seven years ago and many AA meetings ago and I haven't had a drink during those seven years. Moreover, I am deeply convinced that so long as I continue to strive in my bumbling way toward the principles I first encountered in the earlier chapters of this book, this remarkable power will continue to flow through me. What is this power? With my AA friends, all I can say is it's a power greater than myself. And that's what I get out of AA, man. You plus me is a power greater than me. You plus me is a power greater than me. And me plus you is a power greater than you. To myself, alone, I'm powerless. With you folks, we got power, man. We got power. The step says we were powerless over alcohol. We were powerless over alcohol. But clearly, there's guys here today, congratulations to all the chip people and cake takers. There's power here. These people are staying sober 30 years up here tonight, 40 years. They got power. They got the power to stay sober in Alcoholics Anonymous. That's where I got it. There's nothing about me that's self-made. I love AA. I owe AA. AA ch changed my destiny, man. And I know it works today exactly the way it worked when I was new. Uh, you know, I know it works exactly the same. Don't believe people when they say, oh, it's being watered down. BS. BS. If you know how this thing's supposed to work, go to your home group and share it with them. And share some joy. You know, this little collective wisdom that we got here. You know, the power together. Anyway, I'm out of time. I love you folks. Thanks for taking me up here to Portland, Oregon. And thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen.